Welcome to Belfast City Vineyard, where we are pursuing formation in the presence of Jesus, community gathered around Him, and the impact He empowers us to bring in our families, city, and the world. The following message was given at one of our Sunday services. For more information, visit our website at BelfastCityVineyard.com. Happy Resurrection Sunday to all of you joining us online, and thank you so much for being here. Perhaps you're in a situation where you're actually not very well, and you're housebound, or you're still isolating for whatever reason, and we're just really aware of you at this time, this Easter weekend. And so, just as we start this message today, I actually just wanted to begin by praying for those of you who are still cooped up at home for whatever reason. We miss you, and I just wanted to pray for all of you. So, Jesus, we welcome your presence on this Easter Sunday morning, and we're so aware of our friends, our brothers and sisters who are not able to get out of the house this morning. I pray that you would be so present with them in their homes. I pray that they would know that they're not forgotten this morning, that they are so loved by you and by their community. I pray that you would strengthen their physical bodies, their their minds, their emotions this morning. I pray for continued healing, for wellness, for improvement. I pray that joy would fill their hearts this morning, that they would have the sense that they're participating in something far bigger than just what is happening in their home today. Thank you for what you're doing, and we just pray a blessing over all of you that are at home right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you're joining us from outside of Northern Ireland, in which case you are so, so welcome. And isn't it amazing that, especially on this Sunday of the calendar, of the Christian calendar, we just become so aware that the whole of Christendom is celebrating today. And that is so exciting. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message if you're tuning in from outside of Northern Ireland. So, I have lovely memories of Easter as a child. My mom dressing me and my sister up in our Easter dresses. I remember Easter baskets and bunnies and chicks and egg hunts and sweet pastel colors, all that good stuff. Like this, for instance. Here's a couple of images just to to jog our our memories if we don't quite remember. There's three beautiful um, little examples of sweet pastel Easter. Isn't it lovely? I'm very aware that I'm wearing pink, but it's a very bold and bright pink, right? So now, I guess there's nothing wrong with any of that, except that it really doesn't have any grit. It's really not that compelling. And if anything, Easter should be the brightest, boldest colors ever on the entire planet. It's the wildest thing that's ever happened since the creation of the world, and it's mind-blowing and unimaginable. So I don't really know how that translates to bunnies. I get the whole new life and spring thing, but I feel like we've taken the substance out of Easter by reducing it to the things that we see in the shop fronts and online and so on. So this morning, if we could just park the bunnies and the pastel colors for a moment, let's just set that to one side. And if you have an egg hunt planned for later on today, if your table setting on Easter Sunday is going to be beautiful pastel colors, by all means, do enjoy it. But for now, 
Let's just put all that out of our minds. This morning, I have a really simple word to bring to us, and it's a question, actually. What does the resurrection mean to me, to you, to our community? Of course, the resurrection is the foundation of our faith. It is the cornerstone of Christianity. If Jesus died and stayed dead, then it's kind of a sad story. But because Jesus rose from the dead, we have a powerful story that changes absolutely every last thing from that moment on. But many of us have learned these things as facts and doctrines, maybe in Sunday school, maybe in RE in school, maybe going to church, listening to talks like this one. What I want to get at this morning is beyond the textbook, beyond the church service, beyond something that I accept intellectually, I want to go from out there or in my head to actual everyday life. What does the resurrection mean for my everyday life? What does it actually mean? This is what I've been asking myself over the past couple of weeks. Beyond the historical evidence that Jesus walked the earth, died and was raised back to life again, what evidence is there in my life and in your life and in this community of faith gathered online and in person this morning? I've done a lot of reflecting on this question over the past couple of weeks. And I'm going to tell you what I think my answer right now is to that for my life. Um, But where I began in my reflection was actually with Jesus' disciples. What did the resurrection mean for them? And what can we learn from them about a response to the resurrection? So let's begin by looking at Mark 16, 1-8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered into the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white on a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the woman went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So in verse 8, we see the words trembling and bewildered. But actually, those words might be better translated as traumatized and ecstatic. The women were traumatized by the experience of the empty tomb. I'm not seeing pastel colors and bunnies here, folks. The resurrection began with trauma and confusion, as if the crucifixion wasn't traumatic enough. But all that pain wasn't nicely and swiftly resolved for them in one swoop on the morning that Jesus rose. Joy and relief didn't come immediately at dawn on Easter Sunday. It was more like the beginning of a journey towards something like complete despair to hope. But it wasn't immediate. 
It wasn't like a McDonald's drive-thru. We see here that they were terrified. And even though the angel said, Go tell the disciples, the Gospel of Mark tells us that they were initially too frightened to talk. That's how shocking it all was. They couldn't even speak about it at first. The resurrection didn't make sense. It was disorienting to them at the start. I used to think that really only bad news could be disorienting, but even good news can be disorienting, especially if you're not expecting it or don't understand what you're seeing. I found myself disoriented, actually, when we got the news at long last that we owned the wonderful building that we now own in Cave Hill. I didn't quite believe it. I didn't know what to do with myself. And even the other day in our staff meeting, someone asked, could they run a certain event? And I had to stop myself from saying, well, that's a great idea, but where are you going to hold that event? That's what we've been saying for years because we haven't had a venue. I am still wrapping my head around this good news that it's actually for real. And that's just about a building. Jesus' closest friends were disoriented because Jesus died and came back to life again. What we see here in Mark's Gospel is a real-life journey toward encountering the resurrected Jesus. It's not slick and shiny. It's messy. It's human. I love that Mark wrote an honest account and he didn't gloss over their human responses. I think that's rather profound. So many of us who have grown up in church have felt the pressure to have it all together, to have all the answers. But what if we could be honest about our failures and our doubts? Many of us have really struggled in this pandemic. Even in our church and BCV, it's been disorienting. Different venues, masks, not seeing people, people leaving, new ones joining. Or we've just been traumatized by the horrendous failings of celebrity pastors or political leaders, and it's rocked us to the core. Mark's gospel gives us permission to be shocked to be disoriented, even traumatized, to be human and have a human response. As Jesus then appears to his friends and disciples over the coming days, there are all sorts of reactions. And there's Thomas, who had to see it and touch it to believe it. I wonder if this generation is actually also a Thomas generation. You need to see the power of God at work in order to believe. Well, If there's room for Thomas, if his story wasn't carefully edited out of the gospel account, maybe your story and your doubts don't have to be edited out either. Jesus is strong enough, and more importantly, he is merciful enough to journey with us. And he's patient with us when we don't recognize him, like the disciples on the Emmaus Road and Mary in the garden who thought he was the gardener. I think we can take great courage from the disciples and how they responded, and we can take great comfort from the mercy and the kindness and the patience of the risen Jesus who meets us in all sorts of ways and in all different places. So here's what I've taken away from reflecting on this. Perhaps Jesus is more present than I realize sometimes. Perhaps I just don't see or understand what is happening. And maybe the resurrection is more at work in and around me than I will ever know this side of heaven. So that's one of the passages I've been looking at. I've also been meditating on John's version of the story. So let's look at John chapter 20, verse 1 to 10. 
Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. She came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. They both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first and also went, insi- also went inside, he saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Goodness, there's a lot of running here. Mary runs to find Peter. Peter and the other disciple run to the tomb. I love that he highlights uh, who got there first. Um, You get the feeling of the drama of it all. Imagine them breathless and disheveled. Again, we see the mess and the humanity of it all. I'm not a counselor, but I do know that we have a fight or a flight response in trauma. It's almost like Mark's gospel that we read earlier. We see a flight response to hide away and be frightened. And in John's gospel, we see these guys running right at it. We even see the different personality types at the tomb, don't we? It's no surprise to us that Peter, true to form, just goes charging right into that tomb whereas the other disciple needs a bit more time. He stops outside the tomb. But when he does eventually go in, the penny drops. He realizes he believes. I love how these guys just went running. They didn't know what they were going to find or what might happen to them or even what they were told was true, but they ran at the empty tomb with all of their might. What if we went running towards Jesus? What might happen? We might not understand fully or know what we are going to find or what's going to happen. We might not even be sure at this stage that we really believe. I've been thinking a lot about Peter and his mad dash into that empty tomb. The one who denied Jesus three times, who rejected and betrayed his friend and rabbi. Is that why he was the first one on the scene? Is that why he was so desperate to find Jesus? He could have let his sin and complete failure stop him, but it actually appears to have fueled his desperation to find Jesus. The resurrection means that any of us, any of us, no matter what we have done, can, like Peter, come running towards Jesus. So now to come back and answer give my answer to this question, what does the resurrection mean to me and for me? After much reflection, my answer to this is, the resurrection has influenced absolutely every significant thing about my life. It's made a difference to how I live, where I live, who I've married, how I've raised my kids. For example, when I met Andy, I was studying sociology and doing my pre-law exam. 
Jesus has taken me in a very different direction. In very real and practical terms, the resurrection, the risen Jesus, is the reason why I live in Belfast and not in Chicago or California or somewhere else. This is where he has called me to be. What I'm not saying is that I have done everything right. I definitely have not. It's a work in progress. Jesus still has plenty of work to do in me. What I'm saying is that the shape and the direction of my life is completely influenced by the risen Jesus. And that actually began well before I was born. On my mom's side of the family, there are many Christians. But on my dad's side of the family, he was the first one to give his life to Jesus. And it was brutal for him. The news did not go down well with his family. He was a very successful metallurgist in the U.S. Air Force. Why on earth would he throw that incredible career away to become a missionary to communist Yugoslavia? What a ridiculous thing to do. I look at my dad's family, and I love them dearly, but I'm so thankful that Jesus rescued my dad. I'm so thankful, and the older I get, the more thankful I have become as I realized just what I have been saved from. I was rescued from so much. The grace and the mercy of Jesus broke into that family line, and my dad was never the same again. He went on a crazy adventure with Jesus. And what that means for me in real-life terms is that both my parents loved and followed Jesus, and that was the home that I was born into. So in real practical terms, again, the resurrection means transformed lives, transformed families and communities. Many of you watching this will have similar stories of the mercy of Jesus meeting you, of parents and grandparents who have followed Jesus. Some of us perhaps really understand what we've been saved from, but some of us maybe need to take a moment and do what I did and reflect on what God has done in the generations even before you were born and what the resurrection has actually meant for you, and what you have been saved from. For those of you whose family are not following Jesus, don't stop praying. Here's an encouraging story. My granny, my dad's dad, who is a real character and would actually fit in so well in Belfast because she's a fiery lady and she is some serious crack. So those of you listening outside of Northern Ireland, that means just really wild fun. She has rejected Jesus, however, for around eight decades, but recently begun to follow him. An incredible and unexpected answer to prayer. So if that's someone in your family, no matter what age they are, keep on praying for them. Don't stop. Let's remember today to be thankful that we belong to the family of God, that Jesus has rescued us, that our sins are forgiven, they're not counted against us, that we have abundant life and freedom in Jesus. We can get so caught up in the challenges of everyday life. But this morning, let's step back and take a look at the bigger picture of a life that has meaning and purpose in Jesus. Some of us are still on the fence about giving our yes to Jesus, and I'm just so glad that you've tuned in and that you are exploring faith, that you've listened to this point even. Maybe you're not quite ready to do a Peter and come charging in at the empty tomb, But what about coming along to the Alpha Course? There's a team of people who would love to welcome you with all your questions and all your doubts. 
I even wonder if some of us who have been Christians for many years actually could do with going along to Alpha just to revisit some of the foundations of your faith. Maybe you gave your yes to Jesus a really long time ago, and so much has happened that you're just not sure what it actually means to you anymore. All the Alpha info is on our website, and you you can access it and sign up for it there. The resurrection means... I have a purpose, and so do you. You have a purpose. The disciples didn't know it, but they were at the threshold of a whole new revelation of the purpose for their lives. And maybe you're in that spot too. Maybe Jesus has a whole new purpose and direction for your life. One of the many blows that this pandemic has dealt us is that many of us have lost our sense of purpose And today, this Easter, Jesus wants to restore calling and purpose to us. Will you allow this resurrected Jesus to speak to you today, into whatever is going on in your life and wherever you are at, to give you a purpose, to impact every aspect of your life, so that you too can say, look, this is the evidence of the resurrection in my life. Will you let him take you on an adventure of following him? He wants to reveal to you what the resurrection means for you and your life. The big picture, direction, and also the everyday. Jesus says to each and every one of us today, I am the resurrection and the life. Let's give him our yes this morning and receive his life, his meaning, and his purpose. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the resurrection and the life, and that you do give us meaning and purpose. And I pray this morning for everyone who is watching this, for a revelation of the risen Jesus, for a revelation of the purpose that you have for their life for a revelation of your deep love and mercy for each and every person. And I pray that you would give us the courage to go running into the tomb like Peter did. I pray that you would help us to overcome our doubts and our fears and to open up our hearts and our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have said yes to Jesus for the first time this morning, we would really love to hear from you and connect with you and send you some stuff. So would you get in touch, drop us an email or message, and we would love to start a conversation with you about what it means to follow Jesus. Have a wonderful Easter, all of you. I hope that you experience much joy on this day and this weekend. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information about what's happening in the life of our church, or if you have any questions or comments, head over to BelfastCityVineyard.com.